Hey, Peter, what's going on there? Oh, hey, Joe. Just checking out that Bob Culture podcast they got over there on iTunes. <laughs> now get out of here, you big stupid. for this one, you know, as we always say, we're always having wrestler interviews, we're always having movie reviews, celebrity interviews, whatever it is right now, we're in a very serious time, uh, and I'm super lucky to have so many lifelines, whether it be clergy, first responders, therapists, marriage counselors, authors, whatever it may be, so of course I had to invite to the show my good brother for a very long time, and that's licensed marriage and family therapist, Mr. Jeff Kaplan, what's up Cap, how are you bro? I'm doing good. How about yourself, though, man? Everything, especially during this crazy time that we all seem to be living in, trying to adjust. Yeah, man, it, it is crazy times, and I'm doing well. It's good to hear your voice, man. I think this weekend, uh, in fact, tomorrow or something like that, originally the plan was for me to be up in Brooklyn, maybe head kind of towards your way, be hanging out. Hopefully, had the Nets. <laughs> let's be honest. Would any of the New York teams made the playoffs at this point? Uh, we might have been going to a game, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it's crazy times, man. How are you and the, the kids and the family doing over there? Everyone's doing good. We're hanging tight, and yeah, going for a little. Let's uh, hang out and meet up in the city and and catch an amazing basketball game to hunker down and don't move ten feet away from the front door. Yeah. It, it is a wildly different uh, experience and a different way to connect. I'm glad we were able to talk in, in a very, very different context than what we had planned. Yeah, man, we'll 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 definitely catch up and, and we'll make it happen. I know we always like to do Nets Lakers, but that ticket got very pricey this year, especially. <laughs> That's another story. But um, anyway, so yeah, crazy times, man. I appreciate a few minutes, you know, taking the time for the podcast. Obviously, um, I see so many of my friends, you know, making masks. So many of my friends are first responders. Um, some of the first responders that I know are them and their families are getting sick. You know, everyone's okay, um, but they're they're getting this thing. It's very crazy. So I'm just like, what can I what can I kind of do? And I appreciate you kind of taking your time uh, for this because a lot of the conversation right now is people are saying that the divorce numbers are going to skyrocket. Uh, again, all hypothetically, and um, just people are kind of stuck together this is maybe kind of an unhealthy unfair situation right now is that something that you're kind of seeing or do you think this divorce kind of not even statistic this idea is is very true or what are, what's your kind of your outlook on this whole thing so especially as i'm seeing it with my clients and you know certainly even with my own family and stuff being at home i think that um it's that definitely a possibility for divorce uh, divorces to climb and the divorce rates to climb. But I actually tend to see a lot of couples and a lot of families handling it in a bunch of different ways. And that's kind of the way that I've been viewing it with a lot of my clients is this is an opportunity for a bunch of things to happen. Yes, we are in really close quarters and very close contact with each other. For some of us, especially if there's already issues going on in the relationship to begin with, now it's a lot harder to avoid it. Now it's like, okay, that stuff gets swept under the rug. 
especially if you've got kids, you're kind of bouncing around and going to work and kind of on different pathways and different shifts. Whereas now, while everything with COVID-19 is going on, now everyone's kind of stuck at home. It's much harder to push stuff under the rug. So especially for those couples where there was already issues going on, this one's going to kind of shine a big spotlight on it. And now it's going to be tough to avoid. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man, kind of make or break time. And obviously, you know, it's easy to get on each other's nerves. It's obvious, you know, like you said, it's like shining that bright spotlight on, on everything. Uh, there's no escape. You know, space is good in a lot of ways. Um, what are some strategies that you here, – here's your free therapy right here, guys. But what are some strategies that people can use to kind of deal with this, kind of be in these close quarter situations? So especially with the strategies, part of that is like – Okay, yes, we're all in close quarters and get on each other's nerves. I actually tend to see a lot more couples where, okay, the same issues that may have been causing some uh, problems in the past, actually, this is actually may have started to help. Now, you're not in totally different areas of the world and not really talking to each other. Now you're actually able to some, you know, if there's issues that are going on, they can also talk and work through those issues. And so that may just be sitting down and having the opportunity to have some more conversations with each other and call it, kind of call it as you see it. Um, and having some of those communication skills really become helpful right now, especially with the amount of stress that so many people are under. Um, one strategy is definitely really trying to be considerate of how much, how stressful this all really is. Um, and kind of taking that into consideration both for your own reactions, and I think we all can fly off the cuff when we get stressed out, but also then hearing that from the other person and being like, well, you know, the argument that we would usually have about this, maybe that's in the bigger context of all this other stressful things. Is, is it a possibility to kind of let some stuff go um, while still addressing kind of the major issues underneath it? So that idea of, all right, if someone's just kind of snapping because... You know, they're stressed. Let's say they're a first responder as well. They're worried about what's going on with their jobs. They're worried about what happens to them when they come home. Everyone's kind of living in this really hugely anxious state. And for a lot of us, you can end up saying things that we don't need in the middle of an argument. You know, we're really, really stressed out. Yeah, it's really well said, man. And it's a crazy time. Now, um, I think you, you, you know, having having worked with you before, obviously on in many capacities, uh, you know, even go obviously going to school together, which, which is great. You know, I'm glad you didn't get sick of me, which which is awesome. Um, you you kind of uh, compared therapy. Uh, put this way more eloquently than I would, but kind of like it, it's almost like like going to the doctor for a checkup, like getting the tune up for the car kind of thing. Like, uh, how did you say? I don't know. Take it away. You say it way better than I did. Absolutely. So essentially, it's it's addressing how your mental health goes the same way that our physical health goes. Um, if we've noticed that you know we're starting to get a runny nose and we're starting to cough, and uh, you know we just decide to fall off of a building and broke and our arm really hurts, <laughs> we're going to go to the doctor for that to be like, hey, I'm experiencing some kind of symptom of some sort. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. I don't like how this feels. Okay, doc, come help me. It thankfully works that same way with mental health. Of There's all these symptoms that we can feel, whether that is emotional distress and we're feeling really anxious or we're worried or sad or depressed, a whole myriad of different things. And essentially it's that idea of treating a therapist the same way that you would with a, that you would as a doctor, just a different part of your health. Um, 
instead of saying, okay, we're going to brace your leg with a cast, that's fine if you have a broken leg. This may be, all right, if you go in, you're experiencing a hard time in a relationship, especially for times like now, well, that may be one of the options of, okay, if you talk to someone about it, it doesn't need to be this really deep introspective, hey, tell me about your childhood while I, you know, sit on a chair and scribble something away in a notepad. Yeah. It can be very much more so, okay, what's going on in your relationship? Let's find some tips and skills and ways of getting through it. And then, you know, after I try to give you some treatment for whatever it is that's going on, go off and be on your way. That doesn't necessarily need to take a huge amount of time. That can only be a few sessions long. That can technically be even one session long. The same way it would be if you went for a doctor, went for a checkup, they're like, okay, this is an issue, this is something you can do, and if it's a problem again, come back and we'll revisit it. It can be that same process with mental health as much as it is with physical health. Absolutely, man, and and you you're fantastic at it. You know, you're it's it's always good to kind of have like that that third party kind of you know kind of hear things from the outside a little bit, and you know you always give like all right on this side of things, it's like this is perfectly okay behavior, and this is perfectly not okay behavior for this particular circumstance or relationship or whatever it may or may not be, and you kind of break it down very almost like uh, rudimentary, and just hearing it back is very uh, interesting. So um, a lot of people kind of have like a like a negative stigma uh, kind of about going to therapy or, or taking that first step. Uh, what what would you say to people that are kind of like, no, nah, that's not for me, or I don't want to do that, or we don't need that? What what are your thoughts on that? So understandably, it is a tricky step to first take right off the bat, and I think especially talking to a therapist, most good therapists know that just in the effort of picking up the phone to even consider scheduling an appointment takes a certain amount of courage. You, you're, there's some aspect to of, okay, no matter who picks up the phone to call me, I know right off the bat, they have tried everything that they can possibly think of on their own to try to resolve whatever it is that's going on. By the time they call me, there's a certain amount of, man, I just cannot possibly figure out how to solve this. Yeah. I just have to come with a bullet and ask for some help from somebody else that but. With that said, exactly as you were saying before, I strongly appreciate the compliment. Um, but part of the idea is a lot of times we're just way too closely involved in a situation to be able to see it sometimes. Like, it's like being lost in the middle of the woods. You can only see the small bit of woods that are right around you and the trees immediately in front of you. Sometimes just getting a, a different vantage point and a different perspective of, you know, if you're lost in the middle of the woods, go up 300 feet. Well, I can actually manage to find a pathway a whole lot easier with that little bit of distance and perspective. I think it's the same idea with this. And I know that that's, that can be a tough thing for a lot of people to feel like, okay, do I feel like I've failed at this? Do I feel like, oh, if I can't figure it out for myself, I'm weak somehow? It's really not a matter of weakness. It's a matter of we're... We get thrust in the middle of relationships, and we can only see things from the way that we see them. We have our own perspectives. Sometimes it's just a matter of anyone else not being caught up in the middle of it. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to you about it in previous times, but this is kind of a, a good uh, way in. Of like, I work with a lot of very competitive relationships where people are kind of deeply entrenched in fighting the same fights again and again and again and again, and so you kind of get caught up in this dynamic of trying to win these arguments, some of which have gone on for 
pretty much for forever on the relationship. Wow. When you get stuck in those, it's really hard to see, hey, this is kind of the process and the pattern that we're both involved in because you're in it. You're, you're, you've got a role that's keeping that argument going. Sometimes it's a lot easier just taking a little bit of a step back and someone who, honestly, isn't a friend, they're not a family member. They're not involved. They don't necessarily have a stake in the game. So having that little bit of distance and a little bit of perspective, sometimes it's a little bit easier because that objective viewpoint can actually lead to a lot of different ideas and what goes on when someone isn't quite so involved emotionally in absolutely every utterance that gets said and every fight that's been had and everything that's gone wrong for a long, long time sometimes. Wow, man. Very, very well said. And you kind of brought this up a few times, but like, um, you know, I think it's safe to say like, um, you know, you said, you know, for certain things, it might be smart to take a step back or even in like these quarantine kind of situations. Um, now might be kind of a good time to, to pick your battles, I guess, is, is a good way to say it. Absolutely. Um, it, it's worth, especially the things that, you know, as we're around each other, we tend to grade on each other when we're around each other all the time. Uh, it's easy to just get annoyed and frustrated with what somebody else is doing. And, like, I've heard that from a lot, a lot of different people. They're like, okay, you know, this is some pet peeve I have that my spouse does that just annoys me and irritates me. But it doesn't happen that often, typically, on the able to let it go. Now, when I see it every day, I see it multiple times a day. There's no relief from it. I'm always around them. I just keep seeing this pet peeve again and again and again. That's where it starts to grate and people start to have some some hard times in letting it go. Whereas, it, you know, that can be a matter of, okay, do you just talk about it with your spouse? To be like, hey, you know, if you could change this, that would be great. Or to be like, all right, I, how do I figure out how to, get, how to deal with this thing that's really annoying to me? And part of it may be, all right, why is it so annoying? Yeah. Got to break it down, like, yeah. You know, like, why is it so difficult to kind of look past a particular move or, you know, I'm thinking of actually one of my clients who's like, I, I know it's not that big of a deal, but my spouse just always leaves to the toilet seat. Yeah. That's just what you <laughs> That's do. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, is it really about a toilet seat being lifted up or put down? Uh, that can annoy a lot of people. It's a pretty common one. But I think especially for that couple, and they really kind of set sat with that feeling for a second, it was, there's nothing to do with the policy. It has to do with the fact of, it feels like they're being disrespected. It feels like their wants and their needs aren't really, it feels like they don't matter in the relationship, and this is just kind of a way to show that to the other person. You know, their spouse had no idea they were even leaving the toilet seat up. They're like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that it even pissed you off. Yeah. I respect you. I, you know, that's not my intent at all. Sorry, my bad. Easy thing to fix. If that's what it, if it means that much to you, sure, no problem. I think that toilet seat example, like perfectly summed. That was like the perfect example, man. It makes sense. And then the toilet seat gets doesn't get left up anymore. That's brilliant, man. <laughs> that's a great example. So let's rewind a little bit, bro. Um, you know, taking it back. Obviously, I went to school with you uh, back at Rutgers. Are you? Uh, I won't sing the song right now, but. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, but basically, uh, why was it? First of all, wasn't wasn't the basketball team awesome when we were there? Uh, that would have been fun, right? But um, more importantly, man, what made you kind of want to do take this career path and help people and uh, pursue becoming a, a marriage and family therapist? That's an awesome question. So, as you know, when we were both at Rutgers, um, we were both studying psychology, and I definitely got into it um, pretty hardcore at the time. I was. I was really, really interested in doing that kind of work. At the time, I knew that I actually didn't want to be a caseworker. And so, like, I was looking at master's programs of what to do afterwards, because, as you all know, getting a bachelor's in psychology pretty much means, like, okay, you can work at a job that has people in it. Yep. Oh, good. That's <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I knew I wanted to go a little bit deeper into the field with it. I actually didn't want to be a social worker, because at the time... I thought all of that really meant was um, working something like, you know, DSS and just kind of pushing paperwork around and kind of pushing people up with resources. That wasn't really something that I wanted to do. I actually wanted to be working and doing therapy with people. Um, now, obviously, many years later, I realized, oh, I could totally do that with a social work degree. The same way as a married family therapist, I've pushed plenty of paper in my life. So, lots yeah. of different pathways to somewhere else. Um, what really attracted to me uh, to being a marriage and family therapist, especially at the time, was I started looking at kind of how they approach things. Okay. And that's what really killed me. Um, so, for example, a lot of the MSCs, marriage and family therapists, like myself, were systemic thinkers. So, basically, it means that we look at the overall systems of how does the people interact with each other. So it's not quite the individual, hey, tell me about your entire childhood and we'll spend 20 years in therapy. It's much more so of, okay, how exactly does the patterns of interactions go of if I see something and that elicits a reaction with you, you feel a certain way about it, you have a response to it and you react to me, I react to your reaction, you react to my reaction, and that's kind of how it goes. This is part of the dynamic that goes on between people. Yeah. At the time, I thought that was a really, really cool. That really appealed to me, and that dictated a lot of how I went with my schooling afterwards. Um, and yeah. honestly, it's still very much how I think about things, clearly. Um, but I, I like working with the systems and how they all interact. So from there, I started uh, going to my master's program at Hofstra University. Um yeah. And they had a great MFT program, and I loved uh, both kind of studying there and also working in the area in substance abuse. I was a substance abuse counselor for a long, long time. That's right. So, That's right. Um, so that, that was actually a really cool way for me that I experienced of how it is that people kind of deal with things, but then deal with things in these really, honestly, dysfunctional ways. Um, you know, if you need to get high all the time to deal with life, Probably not the best plan of action. Um, yeah. But it, it seemed to work with that way of thinking to me. It's like, okay, yeah, there's all these people who are doing sometimes these really, really horrible things in the aspect of addiction. But then working it with like, okay, well, why are they doing that? How did they get there? How does what they do affect all the other people in their lives? How does it affect their family, their coworkers, their kids? Yeah. Everyone, their drug dealer, like everyone that they come in contact with, and it really kind of uphold this idea that we all are kind of interconnected. None of us live on an island. Yeah. 
and all of our actions affect other people, and we get affected by other people too. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, man, that's 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 awesome, man. Do you find it like very um, like rewarding? Absolutely. Um, it, it's one of those things of even if uh, you know I'm currently in private practice, I know a lot of it. Um, but even if my practice completely tanks and I am absolutely unemployed, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. Um, I think people really pretty much pick themselves up off the shit heap and, and pick themselves out of some really, really bad ways. I've definitely worked with people who've been locked up, who've been homeless, who have been as down on your luck as one could possibly imagine. Um, and I've seen, I've kind of walked, been able to walk with them through the process of being at that point to getting clean, getting sober. They fixed their relationship with, in their marriage. They got a chance to start talking to their kids again. They got a job. They got stabilized. They actually were able to get a place to live. And like, wow. you know, it's hard to kind of have a measure of success in any other way other than kind of seeing them really take a look at it and watch how it is that they did that themselves and being any sort of help along that process to be like, all right, that's, you know, it's kind of the American dream at that point. Like, they really were able to make something out of their lives and they, like, I, I especially talking to them all the way through, they knew it. They, that wasn't something that they felt, they didn't take it for granted. Like, they knew how hard of a job it is to get there and to be able to help them with that process is incredibly rewarding. Um, I can't think of anything else better in life than that. Dude, that's, no, that's amazing. And again, you do a great job, man. Very, very proud of you, man. And you're doing awesome. Um, tip, typically, you know, for someone like we were kind of saying, there's kind of that negative stigma about like getting your foot in the door or talking to someone and all that. And, and everything you're saying, you know, having, having spoken to you and opened up with you before you were even doing this professionally, man, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, you know, back at Rutgers and all that stuff, man. Um, you know, this is definitely your calling, but what could, uh, someone kind of, uh, expect from like a typical session? Like, you know, I guess now it's going to be more of the, the zoom sessions going on with all the quarantines and all that. What, what typically would, would a session, uh, look like if I'm, if I'm coming in or a uh, couple's coming in for the first time? Absolutely. Great question, um, and especially with the Zoom, it does play out a little bit differently yeah. than yeah. it did just a few months ago. Um, but overall, the structure is still pretty much the same. So the idea is, uh, first before you can come in, is you got to make a phone call of some sort. Phone call and email, you got to reach out to somebody. You can find people uh, local in your area, often through just a Google search. Uh, if you want to look through your insurance company, you can go through them. And they'll have a list of providers that are linked up with them. Some clinicians take insurance and some don't, and they do private pay. I know, especially with everything going on, um, a lot of people have started to have some more reduced rates. And really, like, the, the idea of how stressful this is and how much of an effect on overall mental health is something that the entire industry is very, very well aware of. Yeah. But, so, once you make the phone call, you find someone who... Uh, you feel like you're able to actually afford uh, the services from. A lot of them will have uh, websites and things online where you can kind of get a little bit of a sense as to who they are and how they think about things. Part of that is doing some diligence of reading what it is that they have to say and you feel like, okay, does this sound like someone that you can talk to or do you feel like they're completely full of it? 
if you think that they're bullshitting you off a website, it's not going to go very far. Um, and I actually tell my clients that all the time at the end of the first session. To be honest, like, finding a therapist that you feel comfortable and feel safe to actually talk to them about, it's almost like going on a blind date. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going online kind of like going on to a social media dating app. Like, you're going to swipe right or swipe left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the way of it. And then once you find someone that you feel like, okay, this is someone that you may be interested in and you can feel comfortable with, you schedule the first session. That first session is they're going to get a chance to hopefully make you feel as comfortable as you can. And then hopefully they're going to ask you about what exactly is going on with the issue, the same way that you would at a doctor's office. They're going to bring you in, they're going to say, okay, what's the problem and how can I help you? And they're going to listen to what it is that you're saying and what's going on with the issue and try to get a, the best handle that they can in that first session of what exactly is the nature of going on. There's a few reasons for that, which is sometimes it actually becomes really helpful. Even if you don't get help from that therapist ever again, it's a work factor than done. Sometimes it actually helps to just describe, hey, what exactly is the problem that you've been dealing with for a very, very long time? I'm trying to encapsulate that and say it in like a two-second sentence. Sometimes that can be really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, so trying to sort of crystallize that image is also something that, as therapists, that's a lot of what we do. Just trying to define what the problem is. And then hopefully, they'll be able to... In indicate some way of trying to help you deal with it in a way that you haven't ever dealt with it before. Absolutely. Um, and that, like that pathway through the first session is hopefully a chance to at least, you know, I, I've actually heard about from a former supervisor of mine, they're like, our first responsibility as therapists is to give people hope. To yeah. give them a, some hope that there's a chance that things can be different than how they came in. If that's not what we do, what the hell is the point of going to something? <laughs> Brilliantly, and I agree with that very much. Like it's as if, yeah, you know, you, you gotta be able to help people figure out a different pathway through. Um, um. Wow, not only are you a, an amazing uh, marriage counselor, but also uh, you're a poet. You know that. <laughs> no, that's 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 really amazing, man. And again, like very proud of you, and you help all these people. You know, having worked with you uh, in several different ways, like just uh, you know, you, you break it down. You kind of have like that outside looking in approach. Uh, hey, you know, person A do this, person B do this. Uh, let's communicate. Let's fix this. It's really just like a very positive. Um, experience very positive uh thing to kind of like you like you say kind of have that outside looking in perspective instead of um you know the same thing that people have been dealing with over and over again um let's get a little shameless promo real quick uh before we get out of here bro and thank you again for taking the time to do this i super appreciate it uh you know just send the bill you know send the bill you know where to send it so <laughs> but um let's get a little shameless promo out of the way where uh, kind of just tell people the area that you're in um you know talk, talk a little bit about your practice how people can get in touch with you all that shameless promo we're all about it i certainly appreciate it and thank you so much for giving the chance to talk about it this is this is stuff i really enjoy doing um both doing therapy and then talking about it as well um, so I have a private practice right now. I'm no longer in agencies and doing stuff in New York. I actually just have my own private practice and my own gig. Uh, it's located in Smithtown in New York. Uh, so it's about an hour uh, east of New York City. Um, and it's actually right in the middle of town. So I've got my private practice. 
you can find me on my website, which is competitivetherapy.com. As I said, I do a lot of work with competitive relationships, and so competitive therapy, you can find me. You can also find me online if you just Google my name, Jeffrey Kaplan. Um, I'm... I believe I'm like one of the first things to pop up besides a random web designer out in San Francisco. (laughs) Um, And you can find my website there and uh, a lot of how it is that I talk and view about these things in way more detail than I just said to just be touching man. Absolutely, man. And Um, you you are also offering like the Zoom stuff at this time? Yes, uh, um, especially right now, I have uh, teletherapy options uh, solely. I'm not seeing people face-to-face right now with COVID-19. However, what that actually does, this is one of those things where kind of a double-edged sword. Um, yes, it means not being able to see people face-to-face, which sucks. Yeah. But it expands a lot of reach. Uh, so for myself included, I'm licensed throughout all of New York State. Um, so one of the cool things in all this is I've actually started to be able to talk to people that are not so geographically close to me. Um, obviously you're in New Jersey, if you just hop over a bridge and you're literally just on the other side of the New York border, it doesn't matter where in New York you are, we can uh, have a tele-session and I can hopefully talk to you about things, um, I try to figure out a better way through it. That can be all the way out here on the island, that can be in the middle of Manhattan, that can be all the way upstate in, you know, I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, near Syracuse, so like... That can be all the way north of Watertown, if really need be. As long as you don't cross the Canadian border, I'm here to help. Yeah. <laughs> That's such, such a Jeff sentence to end that. <laughs> that was perfect, man. I love it, bro. Hey, um, stay safe over there. Give my love and best to the family. Uh, I very much look forward to seeing you, even though it was supposed to be this weekend. But I look forward to seeing you soon and watch the Lakers defeat the Nets as they always do. Absolutely. I can't wait to see it. It was good catching up with you as well. And we'll definitely have to do it a whole lot more. So, uh, All right. Be safe, brother. Thank you so much. We're out. Peace. Thank you.